Welcome to the Design of Business. The business of design. Where we introduce you to people from all over the world, from different industries and disciplines. Who are here to talk about the transformative role design plays in their business. I'm Jessica Helfman. And I'm Michael Beirut. On each episode, we hear from a designer. And sometimes a client. Or a client and a designer. Who has managed to rethink and, in some cases, remake their industry. The Design of Business, the Business of Design is brought to you by IBM. At IBM, we're on a mission to create a sustainable culture of design by bringing a human-centered focus to thousands of product and service experiences. Learn more at ibm.com design. On today's episode, The Art of Hospitality. The bathrooms become a magnet. People hear about them. I know this sounds crazy. So you're my friend. We're having coffee. I'm going to drag you in to see this crazy bathroom. But on the way to the bathroom, you see some art. Deborah Burke is an architect and the founding partner of Deborah Burke Partners, the architecture firm she started in 1982. She's also been teaching architecture for a long time. And lucky us, she just became the new dean of the School of Architecture here at Yale. Deborah's worked on everything from tiny houses to big office buildings to the chain of 21C Museum Hotels. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Deborah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Architects have to travel a lot, I think. How many nights a year do you think you spend in hotel rooms? Oh, a lot. I travel a lot. I love to travel. I travel for pleasure. I travel for work. I travel all over the place. Well, traveling is one thing, but staying in hotels is another thing. Do you like that? I like hotels a lot better than airports and airplanes. <laughs> um, no, I do stay in hotels a lot. I love hotels. In fact, I think sex is better in hotels. But I've always loved hotels. When I was a kid, my father was actually head of the New York City Hotel Association. So even as a little kid and coming from a middle-class background, we still stayed in nice hotels. And my father was always looking around the room. How did the light work? Where was the switch? How good were the towels? Ooh, well, hotels so are part of my life. So what's, what's your earliest memory of a hotel room? My earliest memory of a hotel room is Atlantic City, which is funny to say now because Atlantic City is, of course, so transformed. But the grand old hotels of Atlantic City on the boardwalk were on their last legs when I was a real little kid. And I remember, I think it was the Chalfont Haddon Hall Hotel. Mm. The name alone. Uh, two sets of faucets in the bathroom and a huge, glorious, curvy bathtub. But the two sets of faucets was you could have a bath of salt water or clear water. No <laughs> kidding. Highly memorable experience. I'm sure, my goodness. So, so let's take a step back from this. Um, can you talk a little bit about this project uh, and what it's called and what it is? So, Jessica, what, I think what you're referring to is this 10-year body of work that we have done in collaboration with the folks at 21C Museum Hotel. 21C Museum Hotel grew from one hotel in Louisville, Kentucky, which is where the company is based, to now uh, soon to be 10 hotels um, in the Midwest of the United States, what one of the senior people in my office calls the ice tea belt, that <laughs> zone across the middle of America. Sometimes it's sweet and sometimes it's not, but it's where they pour iced tea when you sit down to a dining table. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, as I understand it, Deborah, when you started out on this project, you didn't know there were going to be a series. That's right. The original 21C Museum Hotel in downtown Louisville was the transformation of five uh, 19th century warehouses into a hotel. It was meant to contribute to the revitalization of downtown Louisville, and that was going to be a one-off. The family that owns the business is from Louisville. They wanted to do their part to revitalizing that beautiful downtown that had fallen on somewhat hard times. They didn't think there'd be another one until the folks from Cincinnati came knocking and said, 
wow, we want this same magic in our town. I have many questions about this, and I know you do too, Michael, but I just have to say that that's a really interesting design opportunity and also challenge, which is that when we think we're designing a series of something, we know that we have to establish certain variables, certain constants, but you started with something that thinking you'd be one and done and then moved on from there. So obviously there were things you learned, opportunities you hadn't been able to exercise I would say the interesting thing about the 21C Museum Hotels is that each one is kind of a one and done. Every city is different, and every building that a 21C is in is also different. Uh, Most of them are adaptive reuse projects where we find an old building uh, in a city and see the potential to make it uh, a hotel uh, with museum gallery space. But the buildings range from McKinmead and White Bank to a Ford Motor Assembly plant, and both of those things have become great hotels. So each one is different because of where it is, what it's in, and what the opportunities of that individual building is. And that that point of difference is also that these aren't just hotels. They're uh, museum hotels. Can you talk about why it started out that way and what that's meant for the growth of this series of projects? Well, uh, Steve Wilson and Laura Lee Brown, the owners and creators of the 21C Museum Hotel idea uh, are serious, committed art collectors. And when they envisioned a hotel, they also saw it as a home for their collection, an opportunity for people of all kinds, hotel guests and beyond, a kind of 24-7, 365 art museum where their art could be on the walls and anybody could get to see it. Uh, So that was the big idea going in for Louisville. And then that idea became the core idea for the, for the hotel. So, you know, if you go to any hotel, even kind of mediocre ones, there's usually some kind of painting behind the front desk and some (laughs) sort of other macrame hanging this next to the elevator bank or something. I believe these hotels make a much different commitment to art and the way it's displayed. I would say most hotel art is really terrible. In fact, maybe the most derogatory thing you could say about a work of art is, oh, my God, that looks like hotel art. (laughs) Horrible. (laughs) But but Steve and Laura Lee's collection is a real collection. The work that they buy, collect, is 21st century. It's new. It's by living artists. It is often political. It's challenging work. It takes on issues of race, socioeconomic differences, gun controls, cultural differences. It it's work that challenges, provokes, often makes you smile or laugh or makes you think a lot. Um, and that string of ideas that the art holds together is what you experience when you go to these hotels. But you experience that art, and I think this is what's so key, in an environment of such welcoming Southern hospitality that your comfort around the art, I think, is far greater than it would be. I mean, you're more open to what you can learn from the art in that environment than you might be in a traditional museum. You When you went up the grand steps and paid your money to get in and you feel a little intimidated or a little awkward. In these hotels, you're made to be so welcome that I think people have the opportunity to approach provocative art in a way they might not elsewhere. So this is a, the real innovation here, is that you're displacing the art from its museum kind of chamber of of protected um, uh, sort of social separation. It's museum-like, but without the pretension or the posturing. 
and it, it, there's no admission to see the art. Even You can walk in whether you're a guest or whether you're not a guest. That's right. Anybody can walk in. And often people find themselves wandering from the bar or the restaurant through the lobby on their way to the bathrooms. The bathrooms themselves usually have something provocative like or what? slightly what? naughty. Like what? Like what? Well, <laughs> in the one we recently finished in Lexington, Kentucky, um, the men's and women's rooms back up against each other, and uh, there are the mirrors back up against each other. And if you press a button on the mirror, a little light goes on, and somebody presses the button on the other side, and you can look through from one bathroom to the <laughs> other. So people love to go to the bathroom and play with the mirrors. Yeah. In another one of the hotels that we did, uh, there was there's a mirror on the outside, and people walking towards the bathroom, you know, admire their clothes and maybe look at whether their makeup looks all right. What they don't know is that people inside the bathroom can actually see out. It's like a, a one-way order. It's that secret mirror where you mirror. can look into the room. Funny. It's a one-way mirror. So you're watching people kind of primp from inside the bathroom. Now, everything I know about um, the hotel business seems to be based on scale and repeatability in a way. And some people actually take comfort in that. I, th- I believe like in uh, the movie Up in the Air, George Clooney has some soliloquy where he's really extolling kind of the anodine, you know, personalityless quality of a typical hotel room that kind of he takes some kind of comfort from the fact that each one is identical and none of them have any character. And so he finds a kind of peace in that. It sounds like you're going for something quite different, yet it can't all be just about disorientation and surprise. You must be providing comfort on some level as well. Well, it's interesting that you say that because the 21C Museum Hotels, each one is totally different. It is both of the city it's in and of the historic building that it's in, which we are changing, whether it's a motor plant to a hotel or a bank to a hotel or a former lousy hotel to a great new hotel. Um, But... Once you're in the room, the idea of Southern hospitality, which you were greeted with in person, becomes the character of the room. The beds are comfortable and clean. There's always a throw blanket. The room is well lit. There's always a comfortable place to sit. There's never really a desk. There's always a table at which you can have your coffee, have your laptop, see the TV, settle back against the throw pillow. The rooms are meant to make you feel so comfortable and so at home. And the the mindset is we're inviting people in into a domestic space, uh, the guest bedroom in the best possible sense. And because you're feeling that comfortable and the food's been good and the bed is delicious, uh, that then you can see the art. Yeah, yeah. I'll confess now that um, last fall I stayed at the uh, 21C Museum Hotel in Cincinnati. And the comforts exactly as you described it. What I was really taken aback by was the art is not just um, edgy or provocative. I found like pieces that were actually, I'm not easily shocked, and I was shocked by some of the pieces. And they are not tucked away. They're right there in public spaces. And uh, the hotel, as far as I could tell, didn't feel to me like it was an enclave for hipsters and people seeking um, shocking art experiences. There were like regular people going through. And I rem- I seem to have overheard someone talking about having uh, stayed there for an engagement party the uh, the night before. And these were like, just look like regular Midwestern people like my mom and my aunt, you know. And um, they were having this conversation in front of a fairly shocking picture of a full frontal uh, nude woman rendered very realistically. Um, and 
they seem completely kind of nonplussed by it, actually, which I found delightful. I, well, I think that's what the hospitality allows. It allows Grandma and Great Aunt Mary to stand in front of the set of champagne glasses that are cast from penises and have a perfectly normal conversation they about Mother's Day shop? dinner. They do not. <laughs> uh, they're too precious. <laughs> <laughs> The Design of Business, The Business of Design is brought to you by IBM. Our launch sponsor, IBM, doesn't just make great products. They craft experiences that delight users and shape the future. Learn more at ibm.com design. I think if on one hand, as you rightly point out, the art viewing experience has this very classical structure that manifests architecturally in you stand behind the velvet rope and you don't touch the work and it's very us and them. And so you've managed to create something where you're really kind of shifting the coordinates around which we experience art. The flip side of the art museum dichotomy of viewer and art is the really comfortable branding around the Airbnb model. And I wonder, since this project has come of age at a time when Airbnb is the prevailing model for hospitality, what has been the feedback uh, from people about these hotels? What kinds of things are you hearing about comfort and about sort of personality of these places? I think that's a really good question. Now, Airbnb is newer than the first 21C, so it's come to real fruition more recently. I'm seeing a number of differences, and as I said to you guys before, I'm a big traveler. I love to travel. I rarely do Airbnb, so I think some Airbnb stuff is generational. I think some Airbnb stuff is what are you looking for in your stay? If if it's a long-ish stay and you like the idea of having a kitchen... Airbnb is perfect. If you want to explore a neighborhood that doesn't have hotels in it, Airbnb is perfect. I love the Airbnb as a model. But there are many other times when a hotel is exactly what you need. You need the service. You need the facilities. You need the bourbon. You need the bourbon. Exactly. You need to be able to just chill out and know somebody else is going to clean up. Big important thing. Um, And I think what the 21 Cs do is... Because it aims for a kind of, in the best possible sense, domestic level of comfort, you have a little bit of an Airbnb sensibility. Not the kitchen, not somebody else's bathroom, not that part of the sensibility, (laughs) but... Welcome. Come on into my house. Mm -hmm. You're going to feel great here. I want to come back to uh, this issue of adaptive reuse because I think there's also a a conversation to be had around comfort level and history. Mm, Uh, Designers often self-identify as arbiters of the future and want to just invent and, and, and forge new ground. But it seems that intrinsic in this project, in this initiative, is in fact finding these buildings. Uh, how, who finds them? Is that, is that a joint project of you and your team and their team? Yes. So the buildings are typically first identified by the 21C team. And then once they feel that they can make the rest of the deal work in terms of local partnership and whether the location's right for a hotel, then we go in and take a look at the building to see where the architectural opportunities are. Can hotel rooms fit? Can you make the elevators and the egress stairs work? And can we create in it the kind of spatial characteristics that a 21C museum hotel actually needs. Great gallery space, fun restaurant, cool bar, and well-lit, beautiful guest rooms. Um, You know, it's funny for me, 
I hate the expression adaptive reuse. It seems Pentagon speak from the 60s or something. <laughs> but I love the idea of adaptive reuse because old buildings, well, it's sustainable, right? Old buildings have a lot of embedded energy in them. Uh, they mean something to a community. I mean, the building we're currently changing in Ca- Kansas City was an old, rundown hotel. It had a, bar, a restaurant in it where Harry Truman used to go. It's a part of that place. Uh, was this your first hotel experience as a designer? Had you design, designed a hotel before this? We had not. We had well, done. How, how did you get invited to do this? <laughs> oh, it's such a great story. Um, Steve Wilson was on the board of the Kentucky Craft Museum. I was interviewed to design a new home for the Kentucky Craft Museum. Steve Wilson wasn't even in the room. He actually was on a polycom phone in the middle of the table. I did not get the job. But two years later, my phone rang, and a man was on the phone, and he said, we haven't met, but we have kind of met. I was the guy on the polycom when you interviewed for the Kentucky Craft Museum. I liked what you had to say. I'd like to talk to you about designing a hotel. I said, I don't know a whole lot about designing hotels. And he said, perfect, let's talk. So we have now gone on to work with Steve Wilson and Laura Lee Brown and their fantastic team of creative, amazing people to create. We're now up to number 10. Given your experience, Deborah, uh, how can future real estate developer magnates become better clients. What what did you learn and what can you share with us that you've learned about that client designer relationship, particularly in something as complex as this series of hotels? I would say what I have learned from working with all the folks at 21C, from Steve Wilson and Laura Lee Brown through to Craig Greenberg and Molly Swires and the other creatives on their team, is you can always learn something from your client. What I would say to all future potential clients out there is you can always learn something from your architect and designers, too. Be yourself. Don't be too greedy. Listen and forge a path together don't domineer, don't boss them around. They're at the table because they have ideas. And you went from having never designed a hotel to having designed 10 of them. Do you think it's possible to design too many of one thing and you just sort of feel like you have to move on? I think when the for the 21C Museum hotels, because each building we go into is different, uh, there's always something new and exciting about it. I hope they don't get tired of us. We're, we are not yet tired of them, that's for sure. <laughs> The Design of Business, the Business of Design is a podcast from Design Observer. Our website is designobserver.com. There you can find more information about today's guest, Deborah Burke, along with links to things we discussed on our show. If you like what you heard today, tell your friends about the podcast and go to iTunes and rate us or leave a review. Leaving a review is the best way we know of to help new listeners find this podcast. Between episodes, you can keep up with Design Observer on Facebook and on Twitter. And if you're not listening already, check out our other podcasts, The Observatory and Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Today's episode was recorded at the Yale School of Management as part of our course there. 12 Design Ideas That Changed the World. To learn more about the Yale School of Management, go to som.yale.edu. During this week's lecture, one of the students asked a really interesting question about the relationship between investors who are looking for the bottom line and the architects in a creative project like this. And Deborah's answer was really interesting. We wanted to give you a peek at that. The first several 21Cs were funded a combination of 
the owners and local interested partners. So they never do a project without a local partner. Very recently, a New York-based investment, you, you could see this coming, right, is now financing them. So in the early days, we had those discussions with our own clients, and, and they got the point. We were all on the same team. They just wanted it to cost less. Um, now with the investment guys, they want it to cost a lot less. But the good news is we have this track record of, so it will be, okay, we're going to do concrete floors instead of terrazzo, but we have to have the wacky chandelier in the bathroom. So we are doing a lot of value engineering, but my strategy about value engineering in architecture in general is you don't want chocolate chip everywhere. You want chocolate truffles in some places and, I don't know, Cool Whip in others, right? It's a, that was probably a bad analogy, but don't, don't make everything kind of uniformly blah. Do a couple of blowout things, and if you have to have totally plain white tile in your bathrooms, but you can put purple light bulbs around the medicine cabinet, which is what you saw in Durham and what we did in Durham, you know, literally tiles that cost $2 a square foot, but you, but you buy the purple light bulbs, which don't cost anything either, and that's the idea. Um, it's finding the, the extremes are what makes these hotels work. Thanks to everyone at Yale SOM Studio and the Media Control Center, Tim Spencer, Mary Ellen Lyons, Donnie Bristol, Josh Bankston, and Benjamin Hecht. Mike Erico wrote our theme music. Julie Subrin produced and edited our show. Our executive producer is Blake Eskin. Come back next week when we'll be talking to Bruce Cohen about how movies can change people's political views. It's true. See you then.